The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, we are so grateful that we are here to witness another Christmas season. Receive the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord our God, we are so grateful for what Christmas really means to us. And we pray that the spirit of Christmas may so enter into us that we too may be a channel of blessings to others. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. And all the people said, thank you. I don't know how you remember Christmas, but when I was growing up as a child, I had great memories of Christmas because at Christmas, I was sure to receive a new dress. How many people buy new dresses for their children these days? (laughs) My mother made sure that we had new dresses, okay? And then Christmas was, there was so much festivity in the air. You know, there was the carol service. And, you know, the carol service was conducted in the neighborhood by the choir. And on the 24th night, they will go around singing Christmas carols. And they will start like 9 o'clock and they won't finish until 5 a.m. We're going round homes singing great Christmas songs. And then in the family, of course, they will always kill a goat, you know. My mother will always make chin-chin. How many people still make chin-chin for their families? How many ladies still make chin-chin? And, you know, my mother will engage us in the making of chin-chin. And we loved to, you know, you make them into tiny bowls, you know. They, they will press the dough out, cut it open, and they will call us children to come and keep turning them into bowls. And it was such a lovely, lovely atmosphere. There was so much joy in the air and so much expectation. And then, of course, on the Christmas Day itself, you know, it was customary to go visiting. And then all the people will visit us too. And, you know, they always gave us gifts. <laughs> And everybody will have their little saving pots. We used to have little saving clay pots. Do they have such things now? I think they call it piggy bank now. (laughs) And then, you know, you'll be saving up all those little coins that they give you, hoping one day they will uh, uh, become something that uh, you and I can use to buy something for ourselves or for someone else. But it's good to... um, go beyond the festivities to look at the mystery gift at Christmas. Because we must enter into the revelation of Christmas. It's not just the celebration. There are people who don't celebrate Christmas. And the reason is that Christ wasn't born on December 25th. Have you heard that before? Oh, yes. And the point they are making is that December 25th, was a pagan festival called 
winter solstice. Okay? And when uh, Catholicism was the rule of the day, they said to the people, you want to celebrate. Okay, we give you something to celebrate. So celebrate Christmas. So there are many people who said, how can you uh, uh, Christianize a Christian, a pagan festival? You know, and that they don't. In fact, in my church, several years ago, we never had service on Christmas Day for the same reason. But you see, I'm one of those who believe that Christmas is not the birthday of Jesus Christ. We're not celebrating a birthday. We're celebrating a birth. There are two different things. You see? If you're celebrating a birthday, then you have to do it on the day. It's a birthday. But this is a birth. You are celebrating a birth. And what that birth means to you personally. And the only way you can appreciate Christmas is to know what it's really all about. The mystery gift at Christmas. Come with me to John chapter 1. Bible says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which light gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And verse 14, and the world became what? Flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Now, I, I need you to enter into the revelation of the scripture that says, The word became what? Yes. There are many people who cannot preach exclusivity. What is exclusivity? No man comes to the Father except through me. They can't preach it. Why can't they preach it? Because they don't understand it. They don't understand incarnation. They don't understand Trinity. They don't understand that God became a man so that man can become like who? Yes. They don't understand redemption. They don't understand what the whole thing is all about. 
But you know, you don't have to understand it to participate in it, you know. You don't have to understand it. But if you do understand it, then it will make all the what? Difference in your life. Yes. You know, it's like cake. I don't know how to make it, but I can eat it. I can enjoy it. Yes, there are so many things you don't know anything about, but you enjoy them anyway. But you see, it would have been wonderful if you knew what went into making them. The next time you saw somebody who made them, you say, ah, I appreciate what you're doing. Because you see, if you didn't understand it, they say, oh, cake making is a, it must be very simple because there are cakes uh, everywhere. But then if you went to the, the baker's shop and you saw him or her at work, the next time you cut a slice of cake, you eat it with a better sense of gratitude. That's a lot of work that, uh, yes, that's why many people don't understand because they don't know what it means that God became a what? A man. They don't know what it means. Now, one way to appreciate this is to consider yourself. Say you were the chief executive of what? MTN, big corporation. You know what happens when you are driving to work? As soon as they sight your car from two, three hundred yards, the door is a yes. And everybody's running uh, up and down. And as soon as you alight, somebody's there opening the door. Welcome, sir. And then all of a sudden, you retired. Okay? <laughs> and now, a new boss has come in. And now he has changed all the guards so they didn't know you again. So you come, you drive up to the gate, open, Oga. This is working hour. We don't have a, a, no, we don't admit people. Please. Do you have appointment? When you are sitting at the back of that car, you will be fuming with what? So if it was one month ago, will you be telling me this? You see, you don't understand until you lose privilege. You see? Deity. Deity to become humanity. You cannot imagine it. I tell people one of the greatest things about deity becoming humanity is that do you know that God does not pray? Do you know that God doesn't pray? Why? Because who will he pray to? God does not pray. But when Jesus was here, he what? He had to be praying. He had to be praying. For deity to become humanity, okay? For deity to become humanity, there was so much loss of privilege and right. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was who? God. The purpose of the incarnation why God came out of God. You know, many people don't understand it. God out of God without losing deity. That's why Jesus said, I and my father were one. We're one. And the Bible says that word became flesh and came to dwell among us. 
And we beheld his glory. But for what purpose? Why was it necessary for God to become flesh? The reason is very simple. Only God could save us from our sins. And not lose anything from it. You and I cannot save ourselves. The Bible declares that it had to be a virgin birth. Do you know that many people don't know why it has to be a virgin birth? The reason why it had to be a virgin birth was because if it was not a virgin birth, then that blood cannot save us. And you know, in biology, if you studied biology, you will know that Mary was a surrogate mother. You know what surrogacy is? Surrogacy, the practice in surrogacy these days, you know, a woman cannot have a baby, so she and her husband goes, they fertilize an egg, her egg, in the test tube, and they invite one lady to come and carry it for them. And the lady will carry it. Nine months later, the baby will be delivered. But the baby has no genetic component of the woman that carried her, him or her. Every genetic component belonged to the couple. Yes. Surrogacy. Mary was a surrogate mother. And in biology, they tell us that in the placenta, the blood of the baby and the blood of the mother never meet. They never meet. There is a thin fluid through which they exchange substances. So food passes from the mother to the baby and waste products pass from the baby to the mother. So, Jesus was completely deity and yet he was completely man. Totally God, totally man. Why was that necessary? It's so that God and man can meet in who? In Christ. God and man can meet in Christ. Come with me to John chapter 14. Because everybody needs to understand Christmas. So that you and I can be a little more appreciative. And then be able to go forth to do the same. Reach out to others. John chapter 14. You know, there is something there that um, everybody needs to know. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. At that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you, and I in you. Now, the way, the way you and I need to understand that is that when we come to Christ, Christ indwells us. And do you know that that's why many people cannot live godly lives? Because they're trying to live godly lives by themselves. Say, so, no, when we come to Christ, we don't try to lead godly lives. We invite Christ to come and dwell where? In our hearts. And live his life through us. That is the magic. You see? I cannot live his life by myself. But when he comes to be resident in my heart by faith, then he can live out his life through me. And that's why in the sum total, you know, 
Godliness is actually, when you analyze it down, is simple, simply obedience. Because you see, when Christ is living in me, and, and you stepped on my toe, and I wanted to give you a shove in your shoulder, and he whispers to me, don't do it. And I raise my hand and I put it down. Okay? Then you see, you said, oh, do you know I stepped on his leg? And he said and did uh, nothing. No. If you looked into my heart, you would know that I really wanted to give you a good show. But you see, because I'm under control, he whispered to me, ah, don't do that. In the end, now you might think I'm a good person. No, I'm not really. It's his goodness that uh, you are seeing. You know, it's his goodness that you are seeing. And that is the mystery of our life. When we begin to understand that God became a man because he was tired. He was totally tired of trying to get us to do the right thing. You remember his first attempt? It was the law. You know, what was the law about sin? They said, when you sin, go and buy a good goat. Bring it to church. Put your hand on the goat and confess all your sins. Eh? And the goat will carry it for you. you no, know, they will kill the goat if it's an individual. If it's the nation, they will let the goat be a scapegoat and carry the sin into the wilderness. But you see, the next Sunday you sin again and you come with another. Eh? Do you know that if that system is, was still operational, all of us will be selling goats? <laughs> Because there's so much sin in Nigeria. <laughs> and we would like, I would like to join the approving authority. <laughs> you know, the priests were the approving authority. And they used to have their own place where they sell goods. But you know, if you go to their store where they're selling goods, that's why Jesus drove them away from the temple. If you go to where they're selling goods, the goods you will buy for 50 naira in the market, they'll be selling for 200. But do you know the trick? When you go and buy from the market... You bring it. You say, what is your sin? Adultery. This tiny goat for adultery. <laughs> please, please, come, let us show you goat for adultery, I beg. <laughs> and they will take you to their stall. Say, how much did you buy your goat? You say, 30 naira. It's okay, put it here. Take this goat. That will clean up your adultery. Okay? So pay, pay the difference. Pay the difference. <laughs> so you can, they say you cannot escape them. <laughs> You must buy that their goat. <laughs> you know, this is the sort of thing that was going on. But you know what it degenerated to? So you can commit adultery, but on Saturday, you bring God his... Uh, yes. The, the, the goat, the whole, the whole idea was that when you have brought one goat and confessed, then you won't bring any more goat. At least you'll stop doing that thing. But it didn't work that way. And so God got tired. And he looked down from heaven and said, these people cannot do this thing by what? They can do it. They can do it. And Jesus came. Jesus came. First of all, he would take all the past and then just roll it and put it uh, away. Do you know why he forgives sins? Many people don't know why he forgives sins. He forgives sins so that the present and the future cannot be held hostage by the past. You know? That's why he wipes away sin. Because you see, if you do not wipe away sin, then the present and the future can be held hostage by the past. Have you seen people who never forgive you? 
Every time you do something, say, remember two years ago. You see what you did. Remember what you did. A couple came to see me once, and they were quarreling in my office. And then after some time, I asked them, I said, all these things that you are telling me, when did they happen? This one said 10 years ago. This one said, no, it's eight years. I said, ah, is it this 10-year or 8-year matter that you are still a... Uh, you see, when people don't forgive, it shows they don't have a revelation of Christ. Because Christ came so that the past cannot hold the present hostage. And that's why Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, do what? Forgive. Release people so that they can have a present and a future with you. Because if you don't release them, ah, you'll, all of you will be living in the past. You know, oh, that thing he did two years ago, I can never forget it. I, I think since then, I think everything just spoiled. Ah! Jesus, God became a man so that you and I, the burden of the past will be lifted from us. And then we are free to go into the present. And that's why you can see people who were terrible in their past. Now they're preaching the gospel. Now they're testifying to the wonders of God's grace. Now they're speaking about the power of God's forgiveness in their lives. You see, when, when the, uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, he says, Thank God for this unspeakable what? Gift. Unsearchable gift. Many who do not appreciate their Christianity... It is because they don't appreciate what went into it. Once you understand what went into it, then your gratitude will begin to rise. And this is why the Bible says, For God so loved the world, that he what? He gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. If someone were to ask you, why are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Why are you not a, a, a Hindu? You know, some people will tell you that they are more disciplined than Christians. Some people will tell you that they're more moral than Christians. Why are you a Christian? You see? You have to appreciate the gift for it to inspire you. When the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.14, he says, the love of Christ, what? Compels me. Yes, because, you see, by the time you understand it, it will begin to compel you. So now you can see why you can reach out to others to be a blessing to them in their lives because Christ has been such a blessing to you in your life. Now, I used to say to people that uh, as a Sunday school child, I was called to act the angel that stopped Abraham from killing Isaac. You know the story? Abraham took Isaac and then God stopped him and gave him a substitute. So, you know, I was dressed up in a white bedsheet with, um, with wings stretched out with a pole. And then Abraham, you know, who, the guy who acted Abraham put the, the, another boy on the, on the wood and raised the knife. And I was supposed to appear and call him Abraham, Abraham, stop. And I froze. 
I froze. I froze. You know, I, I couldn't talk. You know, so if I had been the real angel, Isaac would have died. <laughs> So you know, so you know, w- when you understand, can you can you? Be, when I tell people that, they say they cannot believe I was such a child, timid, shy, unable to say anything. But that's the sort of thing Christ does. By the time He finishes with you, even you, you cannot recognize yourself. Even you yourself cannot recognize yourself, because He has so changed us. You see, Jesus comes into our lives to make us who we never imagined we could be and to so transform us. He became flesh. The Bible says he put on flesh so that you and I can know that it is possible to live godly on the earth. You know, there was a man who was after he understood what Christ did, after he understood what Adam and Eve did, he was very, very annoyed with Adam and Eve. You know? And he kept blaming them. That is because of them that we're having all this, uh, you know, and that what God asked them to do was very simple. Eh? Uh-uh. Don't touch something. There are other things there. Why, why, why did you go and touch this one? And look at all the problem you have uh, caused us. So he complained and complained and complained. And one day, his pastor came to his house with a covered pot and put it in the corner of his house and told him, don't open it. Don't open it. So, the first week, he looked at it. He didn't open it. The second week, he started to say to himself, but what can he have uh, inside? You know, by Wednesday, you know, it was like, I'm sure there's nothing. Uh, then by Thursday, but if I open it, how would he? By Friday, I'm sure there's nothing inside. By Saturday, I'm sure there's nothing inside. Sunday, he opened it. A rat jumped out. <laughs> so the pastor came back. If you were Adam and Eve, only two weeks. <laughs> Only two weeks you will stay there. Only two weeks. <laughs> but Jesus, you see, the, the, the test that God gave Adam and Eve is this. Is it possible for somebody with free will to do what God says continuously without fail? Adam and Eve answered, yes, but only for some. Yes. But Jesus came here and said, yes, for all time. And that's why the Bible says that through one man's disobedience, death came to all men. But through another man's disobedience, life came back. Jesus came for the work of restoration. You know, I say to people, by the time you begin to taste the power of God in your life, by the time you begin to exercise spiritual authority and watch principalities and powers, nature bow to your spiritual authority, 
then you begin to appreciate what God did. You know, you begin to appreciate what God did. By the time you lay hand on the sick and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed, and you see the fever just go, then you begin to appreciate that God became a man so that you and I can become like who? Yes. Uh, This is not religion. It's not a place to come and sing and dance. No. This is a place to reveal the God that is in us, which was in us in Genesis 1.26. Let us make man in our image. Someone like us. God said, let us make someone like us. And that nature, Jesus came to restore. And by the time you begin to enjoy the diversity of benefits in your salvation, then Christmas and what it stands for begin to be something that brings you joy and great gratitude to who? To God. Yes. Yes. And that's why the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it said, herein is love. It's not that we loved God, but that what? He first loved us, and then he gave Jesus for us. Those who deeply appreciate this, then begin to show their gratitude. And the Philippian church, they were the first to understand this gratitude as a response. You know, some people will say, yes, I'm very grateful. So what are you doing to show it? I'm just grateful. I really thank God very much for the salvation. Uh, mm. So what are you going to do now? No, I'm just grateful. Very, very grateful. In fact, very, very... uh, Ah, no. I want to show you what the Macedonian church did. Okay? Come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you, verse 1, the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their what? Liberality. In other words, even though they were very poor, they were very what? Generous. You know, and I always say to people, it's not the people who have the most who give the most. No, it's the people who have a willing heart, you know, who understand that everything they have, they received from who? From God. Okay? So for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Okay? The whole secret to giving is to understand that the gift changed me so that I can become a what? A gift to the world. That's what it did to me. Then I become a gift to to the world. And then I am giving and giving and giving all the time. Because I have always received and received and received. You see, the moment you come to Christ, you have received God's costliest gift. He cannot give you anything more precious. And the more you appreciate it, the more you respond. 
You know what the Bible says in verse 9? It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9. That for your sakes, he became what? Poor. That you through his poverty, that might, be, might become what? Yes, he transformed us. Not only spiritually, not only emotionally, not only intellectually, but materially. He exchanged our poverty with his riches and opened up to us the storehouse of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ was a seed that God sowed into your life and my life. And that seed of necessity must bear what? Fruit. Yes, that's why Jesus began to say to his disciples, it is my father's desire that you bear what? Fruit. And then that you bear more fruit. And then that you bear much fruit. It's a progressive thing. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. God wants you and I to enter into the revelation of Christmas that God Almighty gave us his best gift and so positioned us to give. There are people who have a revelation of giving more than others and it is because they understand that giving is not about what people benefit from what you have done. The Apostle Paul explained it. He said to the Philippians, it's not because I desire a gift. Come with me to Philippians chapter 4. Now, you Philippians know, verse 15 says, also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your what? To your account. You know, every Christian needs to understand that. That when you sow a seed, okay, that's why Jesus talked talk about the law of sowing and reaping in the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain a... Yes, it's the same eternal law of sowing and reaping. That when you are a, 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 a God's answer, you see, that's the way you and I need to understand it. Somebody is praying for a pair of shoes and then the spirit moves you to give him your extra pair of shoes. Okay? But you see, you are not praying for shoes because you have several. But you are praying for an opening for your child to get a job. And then God uses another person to be an answer to that your... Yes. But you see, if you sowed nothing, then you will reap uh, nothing. You know, you sow nothing, you reap nothing. I said to, to, to believers, don't, don't, don't grudge the seeds you sow into people's lives. Don't grudge the things you do for people. Because there are seeds that are cruised to your own account. And you never know what you will need, where you will need it, and when you will uh, need it. One of the things, revelations that you, must, you and I must have about giving, the way our Lord Jesus Christ uh, taught us and demonstrated it for us, is that when you sow a seed, you reap a reward. 
And there is a bank in heaven where this reward is stored. Does anybody know the currency in that bank? The currency they use in heaven to store rewards. Does anybody know? There's a currency they use. That currency is called favor. Favor. When you sow a seed, you reap what? Favor. Favor. You know what favor is? You know, many people don't understand favor. See? Let me tell you what favor is. Let us say I'm a, a, a basketball coach. Okay? And I'm looking for people to put in my team. And you know the, the, the minimum height of a basketball player is at least six feet five uh, inches. Yes, six five. But here is this man that is five ten. You know, five ten. <laughs> Obviously, he does not uh, qualify at all. But I say to him, you know, you can play ball, but you don't qualify. You are too... But I will take you. That's favor. You don't qualify, but I will take you. See, when you have favor stored up in the bank of heaven, many things you don't qualify for, you will be getting. You know? That is why, that is why we go out of our way to obey God, to, to give, to support people in need, you know, to reach out. A girl phoned, a young lady phoned me some years ago. She said, um, somebody asked me to call you that I, I, I've passed jam two times. You know, the first time I had 230-something, I was admitted to study law. I didn't have a sponsor. I said, are you not going to church? She said, yes. What is your church? She told me. I said, oh, your church is a big church. So you didn't find anybody there to show you what? Mercy and favor. You know? He said, I found one man who said he would train me, but that he will marry me after. <laughs> I said, how old is the man? He said, 39. How old are you? He said, 19. <laughs> you know? See, there are many people who don't understand being an answer to another person's uh, prayer. Because, you see, you don't know who will be the answer to your own prayer. Yes. And that's why Christmas is a revelation in giving. God gave us his best gift. And the Bible says Jesus, because of the joy that was set before him, endured what? The cross. He was looking at the harvest. And he endured the cross. And he made that sacrifice. And he gave that gift of himself. What was, this? What was the joy set before him? It's you and I sitting here today. He said to his disciples in John chapter 10, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. He said, them will I also bring, so that there will be one shepherd and one flock. Yes. And he was speaking about you and I. When I, I we just went to Israel recently. You know, we came back a few days ago. And as everywhere you go, you see Africans, you see Chinese, we saw Vietnamese, we saw everybody coming to the places that Jesus visited from different nations. And as I look at them, 
I said, this is what one man's uh, sacrifice. In every nation, from New Zealand, from Australia, from South Africa, from America, people are coming here because of who? Jesus. Yes. The Bible says he saw it, he saw it, and he made the sacrifice. And now, all over the world, men are called. Come and see them singing lusciously. Some are singing in Latin. Some are singing in their languages. You know, all of them singing to the glory of who? Christ. You know what I said to you and I? You don't know how far a sacrifice can go. You know, I'm sure you've heard the story about uh, uh, a boy that got stuck on the mud. You've heard that story. Okay. And then another boy of his age saw him and went and called his father. And his father came and rescued him. And the father of the boy that got stuck on the mud came and said, what, how do I reward you for this kindness? He said, no, you don't need to reward me. But um, here is my son. He wants to go to school. It's okay. Come on, boy. So he took the boy. And that boy went to school, became a doctor, and discovered, you know the story, penicillin. And then the son of that man, Sir Winston Churchill, developed pneumonia and was cured with uh, Yes. When he took that man's son to take him to school, he didn't know that he would be the answer to his own uh, Yes. And that is why you know, this is a, a Professor Fleming, you know, who discovered penicillin, you know. And this is why, you know, the Bible says to you and I, as we have opportunity, Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, let us do good to what? All men. Particularly to those who are of the household of faith. Yes, it's important that the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of giving, Enter into us, particularly in a season like this, so that we can reach out to people who don't have anything to celebrate with and support them so that they too can sing joy to the world the Lord has uh, come. Is God touching your heart? I saw some of the programs that you, you have for reaching out to the needy. You know, I've seen different, different programs in different places, okay? We must, we must ask the Holy Spirit to make us channels of blessings, you know, to people who are less privileged. You know, one of the things that makes giving easy is if it is out of obedience, okay? What do I mean by that? Okay, I have this cup. Somebody says, I need a cup, I need a cup. I, I whisper to the Holy Spirit, this one, he said, yes, oh, here. Because, you see, he wants me to meet the need in that life. And that's why I say to believers, make sure that every gift you give is a seed that has life. Make sure that every gift you give is a seed that has life. What do I mean by that? Jesus said, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are what? Spirit 
and they are alive. What does that mean? If I give you this microphone because I'm a kind person, there's no life in it. There is no life in it. My kindness doesn't produce life. But if I give it to you because the Spirit said to give it to you, there is life in it. Because only the Spirit gives life. I'm not a Father Christmas. But when I give a gift as the Spirit directs me, every gift I give has life in it. And you know, there's a difference between a boiled seed that was planted and a seed that has life that was planted. What is the difference? The boiled seed doesn't have any life. The life in it is already dead. If you plant it, you can wait forever. Nothing will come out. But if you plant a seed that has life, after some time, harvest will uh, come to you. Only seed that has life will produce a harvest. And that is why everywhere I am, every opportunity I have to give, I must make sure I give as the Spirit uh, directs me. So that every seed I give will have life. Will have life. And that's how you will be receiving harvest. You will be reaping harvest. Right, left, front, backwards. Some of them totally unsolicited. Because you see, your seeds are producing a harvest. And your seeds, your seeds, they all had life. You know, if, if my seed is because everybody knows me as a generous person. So if you ask me, I cannot say no because people will say I've changed. Okay, so what am I protecting? My ego, my, my reputation as a generous uh, person. All the things I give on that basis, they don't have any life. They don't have any life. But when I sow by the Spirit, every seed will have life. And so this Christmas season, God is calling us to ask the Holy Spirit to be a channel of blessing to people. As you have opportunity, ask the Holy Spirit for grace to sow as he directs you. So that every seed will have life. And you will be reaping bounteous what? Harvest. Harvest. There are many needy people around us. And God will show us how to be a blessing to them. You know, there are some churches, they give out Christmas hampers. In England, it's very customary because many people have turkey at Christmas. And they will, churches will package, people will donate money. To, to make sure that the poor people also enjoy turkey at uh, Christmas. Here yeah, it's not our custom. But people want to have a decent meal at Christmas. You know? And sometimes some people, some groups cook it actually. You know, because some of them, if you give them raw food, they still won't have the ingredients to, to cook it. But however God leads you, but to be a blessing. And it's also important to bless in the family. Because the Bible says, let us... Um, as we have opportunity, let us good, do good to all men, but particularly to them who are of the household of faith. And don't forget the people who are ministering to you. Don't forget them. Because the scriptures also said in the same um, uh, passage, you know where it is? Galatians chapter 6. We let him who is taught the word Share in all good things with him who 
teaches. Galatians 6.6. 6. So the Bible encourages us to support the people who are ministering to you. Support the needy. Support the world around you. And be sensitive to the needy around you. And know when the Spirit is prompting you to be a blessing to them. To meet that need in their lives. Because you don't know. It's a seed. Sometimes I remember years ago, I was praying and praying. The Spirit of God whispered something to me I have never heard before. He said to me, Son, I have your harvest. I don't have your seed. A just God cannot bring harvest without a seed. So I will hold it. So start a... Yes. Yes. See, a just God, he can't bring harvest when there's no seed. So that's why the Bible wants us to be sowing, 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 sowing. Like Solomon says, so in the morning, in the afternoon, don't relax. Because you don't know the one that will bring you the harvest you are looking for. Okay? Let us bow our heads to pray and say to him, Lord, you give us your best gift by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Here we are, O Lord. Make us channels of blessing to those around us. And if you have not received that gift, you have not received that gift. Jesus is not yet living in your heart. This is the time to say to him, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. I surrender my life to you. May your Holy Spirit touch me now. Touch me now. That God's best gift may come into my heart. Is there someone here tonight? You are still in your sin. You are still rebelling against God. You are still not experiencing God's forgiveness. Tonight can be the beginning of a new day. Why don't you say to him, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. Pray that prayer with all your heart. Pray it sincerely. The Holy Spirit is going to sow a seed in your heart that will blossom to life and produce a fruit unto eternity. Is there someone saying that prayer tonight? I want to pray with you. That the Holy Spirit will do a new work. Yes, yes, stand to your feet. Stand to wherever you are. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Is there someone else? Is there someone else? Is there someone else? Stand to your feet. Yes, stand to your feet. Those of you that, oh yeah, come, let us pray. Come, come, come to me here and let us pray. Is there someone else joining them? Then stand to your feet and come. Come. This is the greatest gift you will ever receive in your life. Jesus coming to dwell in your heart. Come nearer. Come nearer. Just come here. Is there someone else that's sitting down and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, come and join them. Then stand up and come and let us pray together. I want you to put your hand on your chest. See, when I pray like that, 
It's my way of saying to God, I mean this prayer. I'm saying it from my heart. Okay? And I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. I confess you now as my Lord and my Savior. Please forgive me all my sins. Wash away my past. By your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I will not go back to them again. Thank you for saving me. Holy Spirit, please come into my heart. Give me strength. Give me courage. Give me boldness to stay faithful to my God all the days of my life. Father, please write my name in your book of life so that when this life is over, I will spend eternity with you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come nearer. Father, I lay my hands on this young man. Come. Come. I lay my hands on this man by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I command the past canceled in the name of Jesus. Jesus, come into their heart. Be their Lord. Be their Savior. Wipe away their past. I break every power of sin and the devil. I cancel every covenant and every curse. I break every chain. I release you into the liberty of God's children. Be free to love and serve your God all the days of your life. You are free indeed because the Son has made you free. Thank you, O oh God. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. Congratulations. Okay, shall we all stand? Ask God to make you a blessing to someone. Say, Lord, make me a blessing to someone. Make me a blessing to someone this day. Make me a blessing to someone this day. Let the spirit of Christmas... The spirit that gave me Jesus, let that spirit possess me. That I will be a giver all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we have prayed. I can hear your amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for you gave us your son. Oh Lord, we thank you. Blessed be your holy name. Father, we pray that the spirit of Christ may possess us from today. That having received your greatest gift, we may begin to be givers by the spirit everywhere we go. That your kingdom may prosper and your love may be shed abroad in the world where we are. We thank you, oh God. For as you give us opportunity, by your grace we will give. That your name may be glorified. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. And all God's people said... Amen.